Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello out there in Seminole land. Uh, thank, this is, uh, this is, we're doing a preview episode, just a, a quick preview episode here of the Syracuse game coming at you on Thursday, February 13th. Uh, maybe you can listen to this, uh, ha- have this on in, uh, in one of your ear pods or something when you're uh, going out tomorrow for Valentine's Day dinner and, and you can pretend like you're listening to whatever the conversation is. Uh, just kidding. Um, Matt, Matt, Matt Minnick here with, with Michael Rogner. Um, Michael, you've been watching any basketball this week? I have watched a little bit last night. That was there were some good games. West Virginia lost, Louisville lost at Georgia Tech. That's ouch. Was that um, a uh, basketball game or a whistleblowing? <laughs> that's a good question. What were there? Fifty fouls or yeah, 49 just about fouls? forty-nine fouls. I think yeah, in a, in a regulation game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my favorite was when Jamie Lucky. So uh, Louisville goes in for a layup and it gets blocked. And oh, right, Georgia, right. <laughs> Georgia Tech cannot score, but they go down for a breakaway dunk and there's this just insanely late whistle. And so then they go, th- go through the review process and it was clearly a, uh, a uh, goaltend on Georgia Tech, but they, they don't call it even after reviewing it for 10 minutes. So they took away points from, from Georgia Tech. They took away points from Louisville all in one call, which is, which is really, you know, he's, he's, he's top notch when we're talking about refs. I really would like to see them start to just find, uh, you know, folks want to hear about the, what what goes on the Slack conversations. This is what's going on in the Slack conversation last night. I'd love to see uh, the ACC commissioner just fine schools for, you know, contracting with Jamie Lucky to referee their games that night. Like, I think we should just blackball him from the entire league. 
Um, you know, another interesting game that was on though too was that, so what if I told you that Alabama made 22 three-pointers last night and they lost? <laughs> Would you believe that? Well, if you told me who their opponent was, then I might have believed it. Um, Auburn has won, uh, what, four, four, four of their last five games have come in overtime. Yeah, yeah. this is... This is Auburn is, has two losses on the season. They're they're at the they're, they have they they've played nobody. There's no top twenty five teams in the SEC, at least you know from, from Ken Palm. Yeah, from an um, advanced metric standpoint. Yeah, and they and they just keep finding ways to win. So they 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 won at home in overtime, three straight overtime wins, and four of the last five. So they just they keep frauding along. So good for them. They're probably going to get a you know. <laughs> At this point, they might get like a two seed or something. You know, something. Who knows? I think I think the committee is seeing through a little bit. I I don't know the fact that they have two losses and they weren't they weren't a two seed in the initial release, right? I think they were. No, no, yeah. The fact that they have two losses and they still weren't a top two seed, I think they're the committee is at least looking at some of that. Although, again, what if they win the SEC regular season and win the SEC tournament? I, I don't know. At some point if a team's 30 and two, are you going to not give them a, a right. two seed? But it's like, uh, like what 10 would happen consecutive if, overtime if they, wins. Yeah. Well, what would happen if they play, uh, you know, so Florida state's won like nine straight overtime games. Um, what would happen if Florida state and Auburn play? I mean, it's the immovable uh, object versus the, what was it? The, the movable force or something. I just totally butchered that one. But. All right. Well, yeah, well said. That was, that was <laughs> something like that. <laughs> something like that. Unstoppable yeah, force in the immovable object. <laughs> well, if, if, if Auburn ends up as a two seed in some alt- weird alternative world and Florida State plays them in the NCAA tournament, I'll, I'll be pretty happy with that. That would be an ideal. If we were a three seed, which right now we seem to be tracking towards a three seed, although West Virginia and Louisville losing uh, definitely is is a bonus there. Um, but if we were a three seed, I would really like our two seed to be Auburn. That is, that would be an ideal situation. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, in order to be a, a three or a two seed, we got to keep winning basketball games. And the next game is on Saturday at the Tuck uh, against against old Jimmy Bayheim in Syracuse. Uh, Jim coming, coming to town again to lecture us on the mythical city of Atlantis. No, actually, in a press conference, he was referencing a tournament in Atlantis that none of us seemed to be interested about or was relevant to the discussion. Uh, but he, he is an interesting interview. Um, what, tell us about this year's version of Syracuse, uh, Michael. Let's see. So they... They are. It's it's Beheim's forty fourth year. Is that right? Something like that. He's been um, there a while. He, he, he's been there for. He's been there long enough where, when he pees his pants on the sideline, we just kind of feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> we feel bad for him. You know, it's, it's it makes everybody a little uncomfortable. Wait, but, was that real? Yeah, yeah it happens. <laughs> it wasn't happens. like water or something spilled on him. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, when you're when you're in your forty fourth year, then uh, you just kind of got to assume. But anyway. <laughs> Um, Elijah Hughes, they've got, you know, so he's a junior now and yeah, he's, he's a, a, he's a hell of a player, but he got injured in the, um, in, in warmups, uh, for their, for their NC state game and <laughs> excuse me, NC state and game only, they lost, right? Yeah. They, they lost by five and, and Hughes played three minutes. He, he, he started the game and then they very quickly took him out and 
the injury situation, you know, we're used to Ham never providing the, the next injury update that Ham provides will will be the first in mm-hmm. 18 years. So and they're they're kind of playing Hughes the same way. He he sent out a tweet saying he's fine, but there hasn't been any, you know, me, media verification uh, of him being fine. So we we'll see if if he is ready to go. They had uh, a couple guys go 40 minutes, a couple, uh, and then two more go like 38 and 37 in that game. So without Hughes, who's their best player, they're clearly you know a, a, a pretty limited team in in terms of who he's comfortable putting out on the floor. So a lot of this game will come down to whether or not Elijah Hughes plays. And unfortunately, you know we just we just don't have an answer to that question right now. Yeah, and I, I will say. So Syracuse is a team that, like they have been for the last three or four years, is is dangerous and close to the NCAA bubble. They're probably on the outside looking in at the current moment, although their win over Virginia is looking better. Um, and, and so knowing Elijah Hughes, or I don't know Elijah Hughes, but knowing the type of competitor that Elijah Hughes is, I would be surprised if he didn't try to like warm up and, and, you know, convince his coaches that he could be okay to give it a go. Um, I would expect him to certainly make the trip. Still though, you don't just magically feel better. Like, I don't know that Florida state is the opponent that, you know, if, if you are, uh, not a hundred percent or have a lower body injury that Florida state is the opponent that all of a sudden you want to come and, and sprint up and down the court. So, you know, I think Jim Beheim's going to have to really ask himself, is it, is it worth trying to squeeze out a marquee win on the road, um, you know, against an opponent that has won 61 of their last 64 games at home, or do we let Elijah Hughes get a little bit healthier uh, and and really take care of business in their final home games because they they're running out of margin for error uh, if they want to they want to make the tournament. So I, I think he's going to have an interesting decision on his hands. Uh, Beheim's been complaining about his depth for years, so it's not anything new that he's got guys playing forty and thirty nine minutes. But it doesn't seem like he's really gone out and done much about it. Uh, and, and I know they've had a couple of like one recruit I think went straight to the G League or something. Um, Basely, but who has who has kind of emerged this year? Even though they may not have a lot of players, who's emerged as some of their you know secondary role players that are starting to you know give solid contributions? Yeah. So first, it's you know look at his son, Buddy Beheim. He he <laughs> he's a sophomore now. Last year, it kind of looked like maybe he was he was on the team because his dad's the coach. And now it's it's pretty clear that he's an ACC caliber player. He's he's shooting lights out. He's taken two hundred and ten threes yeah. already. That's so a lot of threes. Put, yeah, the most that any Florida State player t- has taken is eighty nine. That would be MJ Walker, and and Buddy's taken two hundred and ten. So he's yeah. he's made eighty. I mean, they played twenty four games, so two hundred and ten. We're talking like eight plus a game, you know? Yeah, yeah. He, he he's taken uh, thirteen let's see four times <laughs> already this year and and he's making 40% so he's he's a, uh, he's a good shooter and that's 40% in ACC play as well you know 40% overall and 40% in ACC play he plays the second most m- most minutes in the conference so we're not going to see him off 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 the court very much and he's 66 you know so he's got good size he's got a quick shot he's you know he's he's a heck of a player he doesn't 
doesn't do a, a ton of great things outside of, of shooting threes. But he can stand in that corner and knock them down if we aren't if we aren't paying attention to him. Yeah, and then they've got this uh, this uh, freshman Joseph Gerard who's who's taken 162 threes, so almost twice as much as as many as anybody on our team. He's only made 32 percent, but he uh, you know he came in with the reputation of being a knockdown shooter and, and he's, he's 92% from the free throw line. So that 32% is going to go up. Let's hope it doesn't go up against Florida state. He's also a football player, you know, so he was, he's not a football player in college, but he was in, in high school. Um, you know, so he's, he's kind of from the MJ Walker school of guards. He's much smaller. He's about six one, um, you know, but he's tough and, and you know, he's, he's, he's not someone that Florida state is probably going to intimidate. Um, or rattle. He doesn't. He doesn't turn the ball over a ton. You know, he's he's just a good player. So, please. Uh, <coughs> um, Dolaja, you know, is another guy. He's a junior. Um, you'll notice that I've that I haven't used the word senior yet because uh, Syracuse doesn't have any. Um, they're basically a team of of uh, seniors with or juniors with with five uh, freshmen and Buddy Bo Buddy Boham, who's a sophomore. You know, inside they they have they always have those sort of non traditional big men. You know, like they're always like six eleven, one eighty five or something. And and this this year is no different. You know, Dol, uh, Marie Dolja is a, a junior. He's six ten, uh, weighs less than two hundred. And um, Sidibe uh, is a, <laughs> is another guy who's six ten and, and weighs probably right about two hundred. They're not going to do a ton on the on the offensive end. Um, but they do anchor that zone for for Syracuse and and you know try to make it hard for Florida State to move the ball around. Yeah, and let's talk about that zone a little bit. Uh, so they, it's going to be a game where if you're a fan of block shots, you know Florida State is is first in the country in blocking shots, and Syracuse is is not too far behind. They they are twelfth in the country. Uh, and as a matter of fact, um, in ACC play, there that, that's that's maintained. It's not just something built up against the Cornells and the Bucknells of the world that uh, Jim always seems to to make sure they they do a a, a tour of New York in the in the out of conference uh, season. But so they're third third in the conference in blocking shots, and they're also third in the conference in steals. Uh, you know, so it, it is a defense that is you know, maybe not turning teams over at, at quite, quite the ridiculous amount that Florida state is, but uh, they certainly are deflecting a lot of balls. They're, they're getting, they're grabbing steals in the open court. They are uh, altering shots at the rim. So how, how does one, uh, how does one attack this two, three zone? Yeah. Every time we play Syracuse, I get a lot of tweets about, all Florida State's doing is just passing it around the perimeter and not doing anything. And and the thing you have to realize is that is doing something. You know, you're what you're doing is you're trying to get the defense moving side to side. You know, if you imagine the five guys in the zone all have sort of a space they have to guard. You're moving that zone side to side and you're looking for, you know, potential areas where you can, where you can attack. Um, and that happens when they're moving because they might not all five be moving you know, as a, you know, as one unit, you know, so there's, you know, one guy's a little slow to rotate and that, that opens up the whole zone. So when we're just, you know, passing the ball around the perimeter, 
it just it looks like Florida State's doing nothing because the zone is reacting the way that they need to be reacting, and we're not getting any kind of advantage. Um, there's there's a couple holes in the zone. You know, one is in the middle of it, so you'll see, uh, you know, a <laughs> a Florida State player, which is probably going to be Vassell or or Patrick Williams. I was going to say Pat. Pat Pat could live in there too. Yeah, like right in the middle of the zone at the at the foul at the foul line. You want somebody who can make mid range shots. You want somebody who can pass the ball, and you want somebody who's really athletic. Uh, to, you know, to to be in the, in in that spot because you you get the ball and you don't have a lot of time to do anything because the zone is, is is collapsing and they're all super long like Florida State athletes. We'll call that the Phil Cofer spot. Is that is that right? Yeah, exactly. And then the uh, the the Dwayne Bacon spot would be. Uh, down on the baseline in, in the short corner. So the short corner is just, if you imagine halfway between the lane and the three-point line, um, that spot along the baseline is called the short corner on both sides of the floor. So when we don't have someone at the uh, at the foul line, we'll have somebody down in the short corner. And it's, it's, this, <laughs> it's the same kind of deal where you're just – it's it's a it's a hole that often opens up in zones and and, and the place that that you can attack. You don't see a lot of uh, uh, dribbling dribble drives into the zone. Um, Syracuse, uh, interesting couple of stats. One is they give up more threes than any team in the country. So half the shots taken against Syracuse this year have been threes. And uh, Coach Hamilton is going to get his team to try to fight that. Uh, uh, you know, just the 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 feeling that they're going to have that they should be shooting more threes because he really wants to attack the zone from the inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll probably come out shoot a bunch of threes at in the first half, and then Coach Hamilton will will talk in the the halftime interview as as he goes to the to the locker room about needing to you know get more penetration into the zone. Yeah, uh, that's I, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, it's just often, you know, sort of the the, <laughs> the pattern that we, that we see, uh, you know, in, in these games. And then, you know, coupled with that three-point uh, stat is they also give up more assists than any team in the country. And assists are not a measure of efficiency; they're they're a measure of of style. And so, what that you know what that means is that. You're, you're never winning one-on-one battles against the zone. It's always, you know, crisp ball movement, moving it, moving it in and out of the zone, um, you know, in order, in order to get shots and, and, and uh, to be able to score with any kind of efficiency. Right. So, so essentially when the defense gets beat, it's because of that ball movement, which, which has then led to an assist uh, and as opposed to, you know, I, I, I suppose if there was a live ball steal and dunk, you know, that's obviously not – it might not be an assist. But uh, in the half court, it's almost always has to come from an assist. And, and, you know, I'm thinking Malik Osborne. We talked about that short corner. I'm, I'm wondering if Malik Osborne can play a role down there. He, he's shown some comfort with stepping out and hitting that 16-footer along the baseline. Uh, he, he isn't necessarily an above-the-rim kind of player anyways, so it's not like he'll be, you know, banging down low against some of the 6'10 guys. Uh, do, you, do you think this could be a game where, where you know, we, we mentioned that I'm sure Vassell and, and Patrick Williams could, could get the ball a lot in, you know, around the free-throw line, but what, what about Malik Osborne? Yeah, I think he's more likely to play there than a guy like Raekwon Gray. Uh, you know, when you get the when you get the zone moving in and out, meaning like away from the basket and back towards the basket, 
uh, when you get it when you get a moving out, it it creates the potential to go over the top of the zone, and so you'll you'll see a lot of uh, uh, you know potentials for lobs to that guy in the short corner, you know who 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 suddenly breaks towards the basket, and then you you know you give him a lob, and so I think Osborne's probably a little better suited to that than Gray. Um, but we'll we'll see how Ham, uh, you know, makes those decisions. You can see P Dub probably down there a bit too, as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it, you know, the one wild card is, and I agree with you that we'll probably come out and and Syracuse almost just baits you into taking threes early in the shot clock, early in the game. You know, they're just making it look like this is your open, easy shot. I we, we have seen on this, particularly at home right? Like in the Tucker center, we have seen games where MJ Walker, Devin Vassell, Wyatt Wilkes are capable of making three, four, five in a row, Anthony polite. Um, that, that is probably a recipe for the game, get getting out of hand quickly. Um, but, but if those shots aren't falling early, it, it seems to me that, you know, and again, Elijah Hughes, we just don't know. But Syracuse has enough has enough outside uh, perimeter shooting on the other side to to really keep this thing close. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if if the the spot we'll probably be attacking, or I'd like to see is attacking when we're shooting threes, is is Gerard because he's only six one. Um, you know, the rest of the, the the rest of the defense is all six six and long, um, but. For certain, uh, Syracuse is going to be taking a lot of threes because that's how their their offense works. Uh, probably not the team I want to get into a three point shooting contest with, but you know, Florida State shoots so well at home that you know we 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 might be able to make that happen. Yeah, but let's talk a little bit about just historically against Syracuse too. I, I, there's been. I, you you say that when whenever we play Syracuse, you you get all your mentions blown up with just passing around the zone. I, I feel like there was this sort of uh, narrative for a long time that Florida State uh, just, just could not play against a zone, and 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 I I think there were probably teams if you go back to maybe our 2015 team that barely finished above 500, and certainly some of our uh, some of our teams back in like the 09 you know 2010 era when we were really built differently uh, with, you know, defense really first, second, and third, didn't have a lot of natural shooters on the team, passers. Uh, the last five times that Florida State and Syracuse has played, Florida State has scored, uh, has, has scored at least a point per possession. Uh, and, and, of course, a couple of those Syracuse teams maybe weren't your, uh, weren't your traditional, you know, top 15 Syracuse teams, but, but they're still making tournaments uh, in these years. So, is, have you seen, as Florida State has shifted to a little bit more of a positionless style, have you seen, uh, you know, does, does it seem like we know how to attack it and, and draw up a game plan for it? Yeah, I think, I think that's really where, you know, we, we talked about the short corner and the, and the, and the uh, foul line is that we haven't had, uh, you know, really great shooting teams in terms of, like, teams that shoot threes. This is the best team we've had since 2014 in, in terms of three-point percentage, and that's even with the, the line getting bumped back. Uh, but what we have had is, is those athletes who can, you know, sort of quick tri- twitch. You know, they've got, a, they've got some mid-range game. They, they've got a lot of skills. And if you, if you look at Florida State, State's roster, you know, you've got MJ Walker, Patrick Williams, Raekwon Gray, Devin Vassell, you know, all of those guys, um, Osborne, you know, are, are kind of built to uh, attack a zone like this. And so 
if we have you know a hot shooting night then you know we, we probably win this thing running away but but even you know even without that we've just got the right guys uh you know to attack and then the other thing that florida state has traditionally done well um is uh you know rebound offensively and so you know, the, this team is not the greatest at that, but still, it's it's you know, it's an area of the zone. It's hard to it's hard to find the guy to box out when you're in when you're playing his own defense. So, Florida State can you know has has always been able to exploit that, and we we should be able to exploit it a little bit this year. I think uh, Fiondu had like four putback dunks against them last year. We obviously you know don't have a Fiondu on this team, but we you know we do have some guys who can at least get in and and you know extend possessions. And so so we're built pretty well to to attack their defense. Um, I'm, I'm much more concerned about their their offense, and you know especially especially if 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 Hughes is at you know full speed. Yeah, no, Hughes certainly makes a tremendous difference in this ballgame, offensively and defensively. Uh, we're we're going to take a, a really short break, and, and when we come back, we're going uh, to do some predictions, not just for the Florida State-Syracuse game, but we'll run through some of uh, – there's a whole bunch of ACC games on Saturday, so we'll run through that and make some predictions. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, let's... Uh, Let's wrap this thing up with with some ACC talk and and also a call for a call for questions. Uh, but first, let's let's look at the ACC. So, with about two thirds of the way through, um, maybe not quite two thirds, uh, but um, we've got Louisville there in in uh, first place still at twelve and two. Duke at eleven and two. Florida State at ten uh, three. So those three teams have really established themselves. Um, of course, Duke has the easiest schedule. They've both played the easiest schedule and also probably have the, the easiest schedule moving forward. Florida State with the sixth toughest uh, conference strength of schedule so far, which is actually hard to accomplish when you're one of the top three teams because you can't play yourself. Uh, and then there's this huge mass of, of teams below them, Virginia, NC State, Syracuse, Notre Dame, uh, Georgia Tech, Clemson, Pittsburgh. All those teams have, have between six and eight wins. Um, in in conference play, and, and so really, it's going to be who's going to rise out of that to maybe be the fourth or fifth team to to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, why don't we start with? Uh, we'll save Florida State, Syracuse for last. Uh, why don't we start with with Duke and and Notre Dame with with Mike Bray going against his old uh, mentor there and Coach K. Yeah, Notre Dame had been playing really well. They they won four straight before losing. Um, in overtime uh, to Virginia uh, on on Tuesday night, and so uh, now uh, uh, Duke and Notre Dame, and it's it's in it's at Duke, right? Um, yeah. I don't I don't see uh, I don't see Duke really. I don't see much chance of Duke dropping that one. There's there's the potential, of course, for Notre Dame to come out and hit a million threes, but I'll take Duke big in that one. I will take Duke as well, but I, they have not been playing all that well lately. I think Notre Dame hangs around for at least at least a half. 
Um, what about NC State at Boston College? Uh, that's actually on Sunday, but that is a massive game for, for NC State if they have any, any hopes of making the tournament there at 16 and 8. Yeah, Boston College is is pretty much what you expect. They're they're bad basketball team. Um, NC State has has uh, uh, probably performed not quite as well as people were were expecting. I think that they're they feel like they're riding the ship a little bit. They've won a couple road games in a row, and now they have to go on the road to Boston College. But I think I think Boston College is gonna gonna do their annual thing where they get it together for like four games a year. And I think this is going to this is going to be one of those. I uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if you're right. Although NC State did get that big win against Syracuse, uh, an Elijah Hughes less Syracuse team, um, but I I I wouldn't be surprised if you're right. And I tell you what, that could be. It, listen, there's never a, a do or die game until you truly get into the tournament. But um, that that could be the death knell uh, for the Wolfpack. Uh, speaking of teams that are on life support, if they want to make the NCAA tournament, Pittsburgh, you know, opened the season with a win over Florida State, and that is definitely their that what's kind of the marquee uh, notch on their resume, so to speak. But um, they're at fifteen and ten. They've they've dropped some games they probably should have won, and it seems to be getting down to the wire for them. They're going at Virginia Tech, who's who's really started to to look like a team who's a bunch of freshmen and sophomores playing a twenty game ACC slate. Yeah, Virginia Tech is is the the wheels have come off. You know they've 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 lost five straight. Um, a, a couple of those were you know double digits. Uh, Pitt cannot play on the road. You know they're they're one of these teams that plays really well at home, and they beat Robert Morris on the road and and somehow got by North Carolina a really terrible North Carolina team um they've played bad they've they've mostly got blown out on the on the road and so I I think that Virginia Tech is going to very temporarily halt their skid um before uh reassuming that against Duke in in a week and probably finishing the season with another five game losing skid I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go opposite of you here. I think I'm gonna say that Pitt, uh, desperate a desperate Pitt team that knows they're coming to Florida State on Tuesday, which which that is is gonna be certainly a difficult game. I think they get focused and and win at Virginia win at, at a reeling Virginia Tech team uh, in a close one, maybe uh, two or three points uh, on on Saturday night. Um, we'll do one more, you know. Miami, North Carolina, Wake, they, honestly, they don't even really matter at this point. Um, but I, I do want to get your thoughts on – it's not because of North Carolina. It's because of Virginia. Virginia seems to be that team that's trying to be the fourth – you know, to get that – grab that double by. They're the defending national champs. They're uh, – Thomas Woldentensei is – I don't know. I think that's how you say his last name. Uh, he's really starting to uh, light it up from three. Do you think they go into North Carolina and, and get the win? Or is North Carolina done for the year? I do think that, that Virginia gets the win. I mean, North Carolina had a close game at Florida State that they were almost able to win, and then they weren't. And then they backed that up with, with the overtime loss to Duke, which was just a heartbreaker. And then they do the most predictable thing in the world, which is go to Wake Forest and just get the doors blown off. Right. So I, I don't think they, they're going to recover. Uh, and, and, and this is prime time for Virginia to go, you know, pick, pick off a game. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on this. I, it's weird. You know, people talk about like, Oh, you can't let one game, you know, one loss turn into two. 
I think North Carolina is going to let that Duke loss turn into six. Um, I, I think that, you know, they find a way to get one of those free throw rebounds and they probably, I, I wouldn't even be surprised if they reeled off three or four wins in a row that they have that talent certainly, but that, that just seemed to be a backbreaker. And, and now they've got the, the boa constrictor of Tony Bennett's defense coming in that seems ready to just squeeze the life out of them. I mean, Virginia won against Notre Dame earlier this week, 50 to 49 in overtime. So 99 uh, points total in the game in overtime. And, and I, I think that they are just going to just relentlessly squeeze the life out of, out of UNC. Uh, all right, so that brings us to uh, to the Syracuse Florida State game. So we got uh, Syracuse right smack, you know, there in the middle. They're they're fourteen and ten overall, seven and six in conference play. Desperate for an NCAA tournament uh, kind of signature victory, if you will, and a, and a road win at Florida State would certainly uh, count as a signature win. Uh, what what do you see happening? Yeah, you just talked about not letting one one loss turn into two or, or or three, and that's the situation that Florida State's in with that, you know, kind of close emotional loss loss to Duke, and I can hardly even say it. And so Syracuse comes into town, but you know, Florida State played as if you listen to the Duke pod. I, it was my impression that Florida State played really well against Duke. They just didn't make the shots, but they they schemed and and got tons of of good looks, open shots. They also played really well in the in the second half versus Miami. So so Florida State uh, has has at least uh, put the put the kernel in my head that maybe they're starting to figure out who you know who this team is and and how that how they can win games. And I'm going to kind of roll with that for now. I'm going to assume that that they really are playing what what well, and it's just not you know a game and a half of of just. Uh, um, shenanigans that have, that, have, that have gone their way so I, th- I think that Syracuse is going to come in with or without Elijah Hughes and they're probably going to lose by 10 I'll take Florida State like 75 65 something like that yeah I I, I think you know what you saw uh, in, at the Duke game I, I honestly I, I listened to a few national pods this week and it seems that others uh, heard the same thing I, you know there were some folks on CBS um, some folks that even Jay Billis, you know, who I, sometimes has, I feel like, cakes that he makes just to, just so that Jay Billis can be the smartest guy in the room, uh, which probably he is sometimes. Um, but it, it seemed like Florida State was impressive to a lot of people, even in the loss. And, and I think what was most impressive to me was that, it, you know, it was not a game where they went up there and just made a bunch of threes and, and the score was close. They, they, they really had to overcome – uh, some of their own shortfalls in that game and, and stay mentally dialed in, uh, stay, continue to work the sets, you know, run the action that was generating open looks and just stay in the game mentally and physically. Uh, and I thought they did that. And they did that coming off a short rest on the road in one of the toughest environments in college basketball. So I, I think that was really impressive. The more I've had time to kind of reflect on the FSU Duke game, um, I, I don't think there's any world in which I would predict a loss just, just because when a team has won 61 out of 64, like it just seems statistically speaking, I don't know that you're, you're all that good picking a loss, but I I'm with you. I think that Florida state's going to come out and sure. Might it be nip and tuck there for a bit? Yeah. Cause most basketball games don't start off with, with a 20 to nothing run. Uh, but I think that Florida state will 
will slowly but surely pull away and and the second half might look a lot like the Miami second half where where it's a four or five point lead and all of a sudden it's a 12 or 13 point lead uh and and then you know from there it's just a comfortable working margin uh so I I will say Florida State um Maybe I'll say a hair lower scoring than you. Let's call it 72 to uh, 60 as, as a final. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned Billis and some of the national writers uh, echoing our thoughts. You know, the pod is getting more, more listens these days. So, you know, it's, it's hey, hey, hi to Jay, you know. Yeah, no, we should, <laughs> we should have Jay on. That, you know, a couple of lawyers here. We could, we could have a good, good conversation. Um, Speaking of, of here, you know, a dialogue, if you will, um, we know we can't have all of you on the podcast all at once, uh, but we would love to have, uh, have your questions. So the, the next pod that Michael and I do, which, which might come Sunday, uh, might come Saturday, Saturday afternoon after the, after the Syracuse game. I don't know. We, we might just surprise ourselves. Um, but why don't you uh, – w- w- this is a, an official call-out for questions. You can you know, write them in the comment section on Tomahawk Nation. You can tweet them uh, to Michael Rogner. And, and we want to hear from you. And what, what questions do you have uh, you know, for, for the pod? Anything else, Michael, before we, we sign off for the evening? No, just a reminder, it's, a, it's an early game on Saturday. So. Another noon tip. Yeah, it was that two, two Saturdays right. in a row, maybe three, something like that. Two in a row, I think. All right, so, so so get your sleep and and get down to the tuck. Means uh means some tasty pancakes and bacon though for me at the old media media breakfast. So not going to complain at oh, that. Okay. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it, what what so what is that? Nine a.m. for your start. Yeah, nine a.m. So I'll I'll uh, I'll I'll make my own pancakes and yeah and be ready to roll. Well, the good news is, is if we win, which we do often in the tuck, um, we, you have, you have the rest of the entire day to bask in the glory of another Florida state victory. Exactly. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk, talk next time and, and look forward to answering questions.